So last week we began our series on red and yellow, black and white, and we talked about in light of what is taking place in our culture at this time, as much discussion is being had on race and injustice, we felt like as the church of Jesus Christ, it was important for us to make sure that we are speaking into this issue because we believe a couple things. One, we believe that our creator God has created every human being with two things, his image within them, that's what Genesis says, and the breath of life within him. And because those two things are true, we affirm that every human being who walks the face of this planet is infinitely valuable in God's eyes. And as followers of Jesus Christ, that makes them infinitely valuable in our lives. And so as we talk about the differences and the difficulties we're facing in our culture right now, we must be armed with that reality as we go out into that culture. And as Christians, we can't afford to sit back and let the conversation just keep going without us. We must come to the table. We have hope to offer because this is what we know. We talked about this last week. Our biggest problems are not race problems. They're not justice problems. They're not economic problems. Our biggest problems are sin problems. And what we believe is that the only solution for sin problems is the gospel. And if we are heralds of the gospel, if we are ambassadors for Christ on this earth, then we must be ones who take the gospel into these problems. And when we say that the gospel is the only solution for these problems, that's not a cop out to say that we just need to send the gospel out and we're going to sit back and let our culture unfold. It propels us out into our culture. To solve some of the biggest problems of our day because we believe the gospel is the only way for them to be solved. So we're going to continue in this line of thinking today. And I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Micah. Micah in the Old Testament. Go ahead and flip there. You may even have to look at your table of contents for Micah, right? That's not one of the ones that we typically see in our Sunday morning devotionals, but... Micah chapter 6, if you don't have a Bible with you, why don't you grab one of the brown Bibles and then you can cheat and you can just follow along where I'm at. And Micah's on page 1447, chapter 6. You can just turn there and follow along with me. Just to set the table, Micah is a prophet who was living in the nation of Judah. Remember at this point in Old Testament history that Israel has been divided into a northern kingdom, which was Israel, and into a southern kingdom, which is Judah. Micah lived and resided in Judah, and God raised him up as a prophet to both the nation of Judah and the nation of Israel, warning them that they had broken the promised relationship that God had offered them, that they were turning away to false things, to false gods. They were choosing their own path. They were treating people how they wanted to treat people. They were passing laws that they felt like were right. They were abandoning the promises that they had made with God and that relationship with him. And Micah is calling them to repent of that distance in their relationship and in that promise with God and calling them back to faithfulness. And as we look at Micah chapter 6, we have to keep in that background in our mind. So we're going to start in verse 6 of Micah chapter 6. Micah says this, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with a calves a year old? 
Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of oil? Or shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? So as Israel and Judah were rebelling against the Lord, Micah brings off this beautiful tangent here of what is happening there. And he says, what is on the people's lips, what shall I bring before God? Shall I bow down before him? Shall I bring offerings? Shall I bring oil? All of the things that were prescribed for the Israelites in the Old Testament. And they were even going beyond that. They were worshiping these false gods and saying, maybe God wants me to bring my firstborn. Maybe God wants me to sacrifice the flesh of my body to please him. And Micah says, no, you don't need to do that. He's shown you what is good and you are abandoning it. He has shown you what he requires of you, because here's the problem. Israel was even following a lot of what the Old Testament prescribed them to do. But here's what they were doing. They were just hedging their bet and covering the bases. So as they worshiped other gods, they would give an offering to this God. But then they would go to the temple once a year and they would bring the lamb like the Old Testament commanded them to. And they would bring oil and they bring these offerings. But they were just covering the bases because if this idol didn't work, maybe we can make God happy and we'll just cover that base. But there was no heart worship in the Lord there. And so Micah is calling them back and he says, God has shown you what you should do. He's shown you. And then he lays out these three postures that his people should take in the world. And I want you to write a few things down today. You'll look and your, your bulletin's got a lot in it. That's because I want to be as practical with you as I think I've ever been from this pulpit about what it means for us to be a follower of Jesus Christ walking into the difficulties we're facing in this culture right now and how to lead people to the table and lead people to discussions and to change into what God has for us. And so in verse 8, he says three things that as followers of Christ, as children of God, he requires of us. Listen to this. We are to act justly, we're to love mercy, and we're to walk humbly with our God. Those are the three postures that every Christian is called to. And I want to make sure we understand what those terms are. First, let's talk about justice. We're called to be people of justice. What is justice? It's a commitment to Christ's standards being applied to every human being. As followers of God, we believe in a holy God. We believe in a just God who will order all things ultimately into his purposes. And because we are committed to that kind of God and we are those of his followers, we should reflect justice in our heart. We should be leaders in justice for all people. We should want the standards that God lays out for all of humanity to be applied to every human being. That includes following the law, justice, all of those things. It also includes the heart of God for every person. We We should want to see every person on the face of this planet treated exactly how God would want them treated because they are created in his image and they have the breath of life in him. And we follow a just God. That's posture number one. Number two, we must have the posture of mercy as we go out into this world. What's mercy? It's a commitment to Christ's heart 
being displayed to every human being. The heart of God, as justice comes, is to display mercy as well. God is never out of balance. He is never less justice than mercy. He's never more love than grace. He is all of those things in perfect balance. He is a God of justice, but his heart towards us is a God of mercy as well. And that is the posture you and I must take as well. And number three, we should be taking a posture of humility as we go out into our world, which is a commitment to Christ's posture being embraced in your life. Well, Pastor Matt, what do you mean a commitment to Christ's posture? Let me give you a, a verse to write down and to look up this week that's not in your bulletin. Philippians chapter 2, and you can look at verses 5 through 8. And you can see the posture of Christ that he displayed towards us. And you'll remember this, it'll be familiar when you hear it. That we should have this attitude in us that was also in Christ Jesus who being uh, in the nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but what? Release that. He took on the nature of a servant, becoming human, taking on human flesh. Okay, And he became obedient even to death on the cross. That was his posture. He was God in all nature, but he chose to put on human flesh. He chose to take on all the hindrances of putting on a human body so that he could come and relate to us. He humbled himself. That has always been God's posture towards us as humanity. You know how I know that? Because we would have never known him if he hadn't chosen to humble himself and reveal himself. A holy God did not have to look at sinful people like you and I and have any kind of relationship. But he humbled himself for you and I so that we could know him. And if we are to be his followers, we must embrace those three postures. And I put a statement there. I want to make sure you hear that solving the issues of race and injustice don't start with them. They start with me. I'm going to say that again. Solving the issues of race and injustice don't start with them. They start with me. And I'll tell you how this plays out. When we see something on CNN or whatever else it is, here's our natural tendency. We'll say things like this. What's wrong with those people? Or we'll say things like this. If that community could just get straightened out. Or if law enforcement could just get their act together. Or if our leadership would just lead. Or if this would happen, we would be fixed here. Listen, that won't happen. I'll tell you why. The problem doesn't start out there. The problem starts in here. And I don't know if you've learned this. I have a hard time controlling what's out here. I have a much easier time controlling what's in here with the help of the Holy Spirit. And if there's any hope for this out here being changed, it has to start right here. Because if I won't start here, how can I expect anybody else to change either? If I won't be the one that starts in my own heart, then how can I expect anyone else to change? And once the Holy Spirit has done a work right here, then I can go out there and I can make change in the world. We have to stop looking at this as a them problem. And we have to start looking at that as a a we problem. It's my problem and their problem. So I want to give you just some practical things that I think three posture people 
need to take out into the world. People who are embracers of justice and mercy and humility as followers of Christ. These are the practices of three posture people. And I want to say this to you. If we're going to go out into our culture and we're going to be effective in solving these issues, we must embrace these things. We must embrace these things. Practice number one. You ready? Three posture people close the gap by going. They close the gap by going. Here's what I mean by that. Scripture teaches you and me that if there's brokenness between me and someone else, Scripture calls me to go to that person to see it reconciled. Matthew 18 says, if your brother sins against you, what are you to do? Sit at home until your brother comes and tells you what he did wrong. That's not what Matthew 18 says. What's Matthew 18 say? If your brother sins against you, what is my responsibility? Go to my brother and show him his wrong. And hopefully there's reconciliation there. Romans 12 says, if possible, as far as it depends on me, be reconciled to all people. Third posture people go when there is a gap, when there is a brokenness between two people. We are people who should be going to make that right. And if we are a culture that believes the gospel can heal the wounds of this nation, then we have to be the ones that go across that gap. The cross, the, the gap of culture, the gap of race, the gap of differences, money, whatever else it is. We have to be the ones that go across the gap. We can't wait for people to come to us. We can't wait for people to come to us. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't wait for you to come to him? Because, man, you'd really be in a boat, wouldn't you? You'd really be in a boat. When Jesus saw the gap between us and the Father, he went to us. He came here. Number two, third posture people can have conversations without taking offense. They can have conversations without taking offense. Let me give you a skill and an art that will really set you apart in this culture. Learn how to have a conversation with someone without taking offense. Listen, we could talk about the weather. We can talk about sports. Sometimes we can talk about politics. We can talk about our kids. But boy, you get on something, you cross somebody, and the default is, I just, I'm going to take offense. And the first thing I disagree with you about. I can't just disagree with you. I've got to be offended by what you say. And we're being trained day in and day out by culture that you have the right to be offended about everything. I didn't get my Whopper on time. I should be offended. They didn't put ketchup in my bag. I should be offended. I paid for that ketchup. Listen. Learn how to have a discussion with someone without being offended. And that takes practice, I'm just going to tell you. Because as a redhead with a little bit of a temper, I know you don't believe that, but with a little bit of a temper, I've had to work at learning to not be offended when I'm on the other side of a discussion. The Holy Spirit can do it for us. Number three, and these kind of go hand in hand. Three posture people can interact with others without having to be right. You ever been in a discussion with someone and you just pick up on the turning point, don't you? There's always that turning point in the discussion where this is no longer an informational discussion. This is the other person wanting you to know that they are right and then wanting to convince you that they're right. We moved past the informational part of the discussion. Now we moved into they're right and they want you to be right. And some of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're the one who moves that discussion in that direction. 
You want them to know you're right and you want that conversation to keep going until they know you're right. Learn how to have a conversation without offense. Learn how to have a conversation without having to be right. Let me ask you, if we always take our position into a conversation and we always walk out with the same position, why have the conversation at all? We already know where we started, but there just may be a chance that somebody else has a different perspective and opinion on life that may be true and that you need to hear it. And the only way that you'll embrace it is if you're a person of justice and mercy and humility. We have to learn how to have conversations without being right. Number four, three posture people welcome others in. They welcome others in. This is so hard to do. It's so hard to live a life and to create a culture in your home and around you that people feel welcomed to come to you and be a part of your life, even if they are different culturally, even if they are different opinionated, whatever else it is, it is difficult to be a person that welcomes other people in. You know what the training ground has been for me with this? My family. It's probably been one of your training grounds too. Not everyone in my family is a follower of Jesus Christ. In fact, I have some that are absolutely not followers of Jesus Christ and are very much opposed to Jesus Christ in every circle that they can be. And family vacation was really fun this year. Especially on the first night as we're all sitting around the porch and I thought we were catching up on, hey, how's the kid? And hey, how are things going? How's work? And then it turned into a discussion of what I believe as a pastor, as a Presbyterian pastor who lives in South Carolina, Because one of my relatives, who does not live in South Carolina, lives in another part of the country, and who does not believe in Jesus Christ, wanted to come to me and they wanted to have this discussion. And this is when I knew it was going to go bad. When they pulled up with their glass of wine, they pulled the rocking chair up, and their wife came over and said, Don't start. That's how I knew this was going to be bad. Don't start. And I said, no problem. Why? Because I want to be a person that welcomes people, right? So we're talking and and it starts off very nice. I mean, we're talking about my job and, and their job and we're going through the process, all the cordials. And then it goes into what I believe is a, pa- a Presbyterian pastor and what I believe about the Bible and then what I believe about politics and then what I believe about homosexuality. And then what do I believe about everything else? And here's how the conversation ended. It ended with them saying, and I quote. That's why Christianity will be dead in 100 years. To which I responded. That's what they said a thousand years ago. And strangely enough, that ended the conversation. I don't know why magically that just ended the conversation, but I want to be a person that can stand for truth and that can take a hit like that. Because listen, that hurt my heart. It did hurt my heart. I love and care for that person. But I want to be a person that can stand for truth. And I want to be a person that still welcomes people in. And you know, the rest of that week, you know, this would have been the easy thing to do. To have avoided that person the whole rest of the week. No conversations. When we sit down at the table, just magically be eight chairs away. I mean, it's a 12-person house. You you can figure this out. Different bedrooms. I mean, I could have 
conveniently avoided that person the rest of the week. I don't want to be that person. Why? Because that person is lost as a goose in a snowstorm. And if they don't hear the truth, and if they don't see someone that loves Jesus and that models the gospel, what else is going to happen? They're definitely not going to church. They're not secret sensitive. They are as far away from the things of the Lord as can be. I want to be that. I want to be that. I know you do too. So we want to be people who welcome others in. Number five, and I'm probably going to step on your toes, but that's my job. You pay me for this. Number five. Three posture people talk to people and not to screens. They talk to people and not to screens. Listen, I'm on Facebook and I'm on Twitter and I'm on Snapchat and I'm on Instagram. And a lot of you are too. And I just want to tell you, some of you are hurting your testimony for Jesus Christ by the way you interact on social media. I love you as your pastor. I love you. Sometimes we are so hell-bent on making sure everyone knows exactly what we're thinking that we feel like we can sit down in front of a screen and we can blast the entire world. And I want to tell you this. If you want to welcome people in, you're going to have to learn how to talk to people and not screens. As we say things to screens, we would never dream of saying to someone to their face. And we say things about issues we would never dream of saying if someone who was on that side of the issue was sitting across from us. It has poisoned us to pull apart all of our self-control. And I'm not bashing those things for that sake. I've told you I'm on all of those things. They can be incredible tools for the gospel. But I want to tell you this. If you disagree with someone, it's okay to take a stand. But if they post something you disagree on, it's not going to do anything to go down and respond and do whatever else it is that's just going to infuriate and inflame the situation. It's not going to do anything. I promise you not one person has ever changed their mind because someone just gave them a a vitriolic response on Facebook. It's never happened. Let me ask you, has your mind ever been changed because someone gave you a vitriolic response on Facebook? I just delete you and then I unfriend you. And they have this really cool feature now where you don't even have to unfriend people. They can keep thinking that they're your friend. It's called unfollow. And they think you're still getting all of their vitriolic posts every day. And you don't. It's magic. You don't even have to defriend people anymore. Talk to people and not screens. Talk to people, not screens. Number six, three posture people. Make room for the uncomfortable responses of others. If you're going to be committed to going to people who are different than you, especially people who do not know the Lord, you have got to be ready for them to respond to you in an uncomfortable way. Be ready for them to say, that's why Christianity will be dead in 100 years. And if you're not ready for that and you're not okay with that, it's going to be hard to continue to love those people. There are people, when you get on this issue with race and justice, that are going to raise their voice and they're going to get angry. And we look at that sometimes and we think, no, 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 we don't need to bring emotion into it. Listen, for some people, this is an incredibly emotional issue because they've been dealing with it not for 10 years or 50 years, but for a thousand years. 
And we need to give them room to bring whatever emotion they want to bring into it. If we're going to be able to cross a bridge of reconciling them to whatever it is and come to a common understanding, you've got to make room for other people to respond, sometimes in an inappropriate way. Have you ever been in a passionate discussion and said something you wish you hadn't have said? Yeah. And don't you hope that people will give you grace when you do that? Give people grace too. Give people grace to do that as well. Number seven, three posture people know that they lack perspective. They know that they lack perspective. In our culture, we know that we know a lot. You know, we have a hard time knowing is that we lack perspective. As a 39 year old white male, redhead, Presbyterian pastor who lives in South Carolina. I lack perspective. I have never lived outside of the Southeast. I've lived in Georgia for a couple months. I've lived in North Carolina and grew up there. I was born in Mississippi and now I live in South Carolina. I lack perspective. I gained more perspective when I went and lived in India for nine months. I gained more perspective when I went to the Ukraine. I gained more perspective when I went to Brazil. I gained more perspective when I lived in Tanzania. But I'm telling you this, I lack perspective. I don't understand what a 15-year-old black male is facing in our culture right now. I I don't understand that. I'm not a 15-year-old black male. I'm not a 37-year-old Hispanic woman. I, I, I can't possibly understand that. I'm not a 70-year-old black man who's lived in this culture his whole life. I don't have that perspective. And do you know the only way I will get that perspective is if I meet those people and I talk to those people and I have a welcoming life and I let them say what needs to be said. But if I rant and rave on Fox News or if I rant and rave on my Facebook post, listen to me, you're not going to welcome those people in. And not only will you keep your own perspective, you will just become more and more closed minded to anything else. I praise the Lord for this. Think about this. Jesus was God himself who knew everything and chose to come here for 33 years to gain perspective on our life. Think about that. Hebrews says that he was tempted in every way just as we are, but was without sin. There is no sin that Jesus was not tempted in. He has a perspective. If Jesus needs to grow in his perspective, don't you? Don't you? I do. Third posture people know they lack perspective. Number eight, third posture people reserve judgment. They reserve judgment. Because of our 24-hour news cycles and our Twitter accounts and our Facebooks, As soon as something happened, all that information is thrown into our face. And then there's someone talking about it immediately. And most of the time, we're talking about it before we have the facts. I tell you, what a dangerous time we live in. I didn't plan this this way, but with the events of just this week, hasn't this been a timely series? Just the events of this week, of what happened in Charlotte, what happened in Tulsa, two similar circumstances, but two completely different circumstances. When you look at the different circumstances going on, but when they first happened, what was the narrative that was forced on us? A police shooting of a black person, a minority. We had no facts that were out there at all. And then as the facts come trickling in, we have a whole other perspective on both of those circumstances. Let me tell you something. We have to learn how to be people who reserve judgment until we have facts. Here's why. We serve Jesus Christ. Jesus said this about himself. 
I am the way. What's the second part? The truth and the life. He is the truth, which means we stand for truth and we are people who promote truth. And so if we're going to stand for truth and promote truth, we have to reserve judgment until we can discern the truth in any circumstance. Does that make sense? We can't be part of a culture that rushes to judgment. How about we learn how to say this? Well, we'll see. I mean, sometimes we have to wait till the trial's over. Sometimes we have to wait till the camera footage is released. Sometimes we have to wait before we pass judgment on a circumstance. I wish our authorities would. I wish our leadership would. I wish our media would. We can't rush to judgment. Number nine. Three posture people. Don't define justice for other people. Guess who gets to define justice? Jesus does. Guess how we define judgment through the Bible. I don't get to define what justice is. Because if I try to define justice, I'm going to define justice through my experience. And again, my experience is limited. Scripture defines justice. Jesus defines justice. But what we are trying to do in our culture now is to say, this is what justice should be for you. This is what you should feel like is justice. This is what this is. No, we define judgment by the Lord Jesus Christ and justice by the scriptures, not by my opinions. We have to be people who don't define justice for other people. And number 10, three posture people. You know, the gospel is the ultimate answer. But they keep asking the hard questions. We know that the bottom line of all of this is a sin problem. It is a sin problem. But we have to keep asking the questions of how we can fix the issues around us. We can stand on the bedrock of the gospel being the only solution, but we can't keep stop asking questions of how we can make this better. We have to. Because if we won't and we have the truth, then who will? Who will? We have to be those who take the gospel out and seek to be reconciled. We have a chance to respond to what we've heard today. Our praise team is going to come and lead us in a last song. We have a chance to allow the Holy Spirit to search our heart. And I'm asking you not to just allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart right now, but to take these ten things and search your heart all this week. By the way, sit down with Scripture. Sit down with the Holy Spirit. If any of this doesn't resonate with you from Scripture and from the Holy Spirit, forget I ever said it, but do me a favor. Don't send me an email and don't post on my Facebook wall. Just call me. Come to my office. We're open from 8 to 4. I'd love to have you. I would love to buy you a latte at Starbucks. I've got a gift card that's burning a hole in my pocket. I would love to buy you coffee and talk about anything that I said today that you disagree with or that offended you. But don't bother writing a letter or sending an email. I'm just going to delete it. All I'm going to do is just respond and say, hey, can we get coffee? I'm going to talk to you face to face. Because if followers of Jesus Christ in this room, if we can't do that, How can we expect the world to do it? How can we expect the world to do it? This has been the Trinity Church Podcast. For more information on Trinity Evangelical Presbyterian Church, please check out our website at www.trinityepc.com.